If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You are listening to the world's top fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. You're listening to Mind Pump. Now, in today's episode, we talk about the bad habits uh, that a lot of us have developed over the last year of lockdowns. And so we talk about the 13 most common destructive lockdown habits and how to break all of them. So you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, now, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Juve. Now, Juve makes the best high-quality red light therapy uh, devices you'll find anywhere online. Now, what is red light therapy? Red light therapy can be used to improve the appearance of your skin, so reducing wrinkles, uh, speed up healing. It's great for muscle recovery. It's also been shown to raise testosterone in men with low testosterone. It helps regrow hair. This is all, by the way, this is all backed by studies, so I'm not making this up. Um, it's very good stuff. It's very effective, and it's really one of the only places you could get the same kind of red lights that they use in the studies. There's a lot of red lights that are out there that are just red-tinted light, not the same at all. Juve is the best. It's got the highest quality. Go check them out, and if you end up getting one of their products, use the Mind Pump code and get a free MAPS Prime program. Um, here's what you do. Go to juve.com, that's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Mind Pump, and then use the code Mind Pump. Also, this month, we've put together a bundle of workout programs that are perfect for those of you that are getting started on your fitness journey. So here's what we've done. We've taken MAPS Anabolic, which is a great muscle-building, metabolism-boosting program. We've combined it with MAPS Prime, which is great for people to avoid injuries and to improve their movement and mobility. And we've also put in the Intuitive Nutrition Guide to help people with their nutrition. And then for free, we've thrown in MAPS Starter, which is a workout program. That's the first program you should start with if you're a beginner or if you've been on a long break. Now, if you got all of these programs at retail, this whole bundle will cost you $340. But right now, you can sign up for all of them for $80. That's it. One-time payment, $80. bucks. you get access to all of them, and you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go check them out. Go to mapsjanuary.com. Again, that's maps, M-A-P-S, january.com. I was spending some time this last week with my aunt and uncle who I haven't seen in a while. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm always trying to get my aunt to follow our MAPS program. And she is uh, notoriously guilty of, of buying into all the stuff that's marketed to her all the time. And she's always telling me, like, you know, you you need to do this and you need to do that, right? And I'm just like, oh my god, and just l please listen to me and, and just do this, right? Mm -hmm. And so, anyways, we're having this like fitness conversation, and then she uh, she starts to read this article to me, and I thought that's a really cool conversation actually, and it's around uh, all the bad habits, uh, all the destructive or bad habits that people have picked up during COVID mm. and how to how to address them. Like, what are they first of all? Like the most common bad habits that we see people doing, and then how to address each one of them. That's a good topic because uh, because of COVID, um, we have been working from home mm -hmm. more, not going and traveling yeah. nearly as much. Way less active. Anxiety is up. Yes. Anxiety and fear is probably, uh, I mean, it, it, it highs that we haven't seen in a long time, especially because social media just provides with that quick hit of fear. You're constantly checking 
and reading things. So that's bound to change people's behaviors, and it's also bound to encourage people or create an environment where people are more likely to self-medicate to help uh, themselves feel better, whether that be with substances or behaviors. Right? Well, that's mm-hmm. the first one that comes to mind for me that I think, uh, and I think we're all somewhat guilty of this, and that's stress eating. Is that right now? It, it this was this last year, at least in my lifetime, right? So I'm approaching forty years old. Um, this was probably, and even though, and I, I think we were very blessed as far as uh, making it out with, and so so far, nobody getting COVID. Uh, the business has survived one of this, the toughest times this last year, but still, for sure, one of the most stressful times. Just whether mm-hmm. it be with relationships mm-hmm. and all the political shit that was going on, or like what was going on with COVID. And it's just really uh, natural for the average person to just kind of turn to the refrigerator and pick and snack at food all day. Now, how do you guys respond to, to stress and food? Do you find yourselves eating more or, or, or moving into this kind of state of um, stress eating? I don't find – well, I, I find it's a gradual process where it like kind of creeps up on you. It's, usually it starts with uh, one sort of processed food item or something that's like, mm-hmm. you know, something snacky or a cookie or something like that that, you know, tends to – kind of just keep repeating itself uh, the next day and then the day after that and then maybe a little bit more and so uh, for me anyways like I, I tend to, to catch myself uh, craving and starting to have those cravings again and that's really where I have to like check and assess uh, if this is becoming a habit. Well I always I'm pretty good about being aware of this although I know I catch myself doing it but I try and pay attention to when it's heightened in my day, like when the stress is heightened and then if I have this tendency to want to just go over to the refrigerator, even though maybe I just ate a half hour before. Mm -hmm. So the most common thing with uh, with me related to this topic in COVID is I have two best friends. We're on this thread. We've grown up since we were kids. And all three of us are very different politically. And because the political climate's been so crazy this last year, Mm -hmm. I would find myself getting in these really like heated debates and conversations with my friends and we would go back and forth. And then when what would break that up is this tendency to want to go to my cupboard or my or my refrigerator. And that is when I know like, okay, this is causing that and and breaking that and being aware of it. Yeah. What makes stress eating uh, destructive is it it's ignoring your natural um, hunger cues or satiety cues. It's also developing a relationship with food that's hard to break because we all have a relationship with food. If your relationship is built around using it as a way to make yourself feel better all the time. Because that's why we stress eat, right? Eating can be a pleasurable experience in the moment. And so if you're stressed out, it's a nice break from the stress to eat something pleasurable. So the foods we tend to pick when we stress eat tend to be these hyper palatable, pleasurable, and fast foods. They're quick because when you want to get out of stress, you don't want to wait long. You want to get out of stress right now and you want to eat it very, very quickly. So this develops that kind of bad relationship. The antidote to this is awareness, uh, is becoming aware of the behavior you're doing. Now that's easier said than done, right? So you hear me say that and you're like, well, good luck doing that. Uh, how do I, how do I become more aware in the moment? Cause I tend to become aware later after it already happened. The best, my best experience, uh, doing, uh, you know, being awareness around stress eating with my clients was, uh, by creating barriers between them and the, the quickness at which they could get this food. Yeah. So like an example is don't have these foods in your house. Now this doesn't mean that you can't eat them. You can tell yourself if I really want 
something. I'll go get a single serving of it at the grocery store. But the barrier between you and the grocery store gives you enough time to at least allow awareness to come in uh, to play. So if it's a 15-minute process or 30-minute process to get in your car, drive to the grocery store, find your single serving of whatever you want, pay for it, whatever, that gives you enough time to say, ah, this is stress eating. I don't, I don't think I want to do this. I also think that planning your meals out, right, is, is a great strategy for this too. I, I think that a lot of times this is subconscious for people. They don't they don't know that they're stress eating. They don't think of it like that. They they get in a conversation like the one that I was explaining, and then they just kind of drift over to the refrigerator and grab something and start eating. Where it, if they don't have any sort of structure and plan, that's really easy for that to take over. Where if I say, okay, like this is why I like to meal prep. This is why I like to encourage clients to do that. Say, hey, this is meal one, meal two, meal three, meal four, however many meals you're going to uh, uh, let yourself have. And then if you get in that moment where you're like, oh, I'm going to the refrigerator, you have a meal that you're supposed to eat the next time when you're hungry. And a lot of times, if you just go to that and you start to eat that, you find like, oh, okay, I wasn't that hungry when I start to eat it. And so I like just simply planning your day out ahead of time going into the day versus you have no plan for what you plan to eat that day. And then you allow the stress that's inevitable during times like this. And you just run by your emotions. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you you had also talked about, Adam, uh, that you, had, is that you did bring this up the other day about your aunt and you said that she was baking a lot. And I find this this is actually a thing right now. So I wanted to bring this one up because not only did my aunt tell me this, my sister brought this up to mm-hmm. me too. So and Courtney's brought this up to me okay, too. Okay, so this and this felt that they fall in the category of just like normal people to me. Like they they are not like super health conscious. They're not, you know, uh, they're not like I think a majority of our audience. They're just my they want to be healthier, but they're not as focused on it. But they did both notice that when COVID hit, they found themselves like baking all the time, mm. like something that would be more around the holidays or like a birthday or something that would be a more rare occasion. All of a sudden, they're baking two, three, four times a week, and that had kicked up. Well, I think there's a lot of factors with that, like in terms of the smells, the aromas, like, uh, you know, uh, just the, a lot of times, like what Courtney always tells me is just like it makes her feel good to, to, to be able to bake some of these things for the kids to eat and like, you know, have the, have it around. And uh, it's a comforting thing. Like it's, it's, a, it's a welcoming environment when you have like things like these aromas in the house. But I'm like, you know, we, we had to... We had to really kind of check that because if it was going to repeat itself, it was, you know, happening a little bit too often. And we, you know, we had to, we had to really assess like, is this something that, uh, you know, is going to become a problem yeah. or is this something that's just, you know, a random thing we'll do every now and, and, and then. And baking is different than cooking. Typically baking, uh, includes foods that are probably not as good for you. I mean, you can cook. A lot yeah. We're not talking about baking a potato. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like yeah. cookies, <laughs> pastries. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, it's like and, breads and things. And you, and here's the other problem with baking. Now there's not necessarily, there's not nothing, by the way, inherently wrong with baking. There's the bad relationship that that I think COVID has created around baking, where people are home right. and they're like, "I'm going to just spend time baking." And then when you bake, here's some of the problems that end up happening. Number one, there's a little bit of the justification: I made this, mm-hmm. therefore I'm going to eat it. And then number two, you tend to bake multiple servings. Yeah, you like, overindulge. Yeah. Well, nobody bakes one cookie, right? right you right. bake, you know, 15 cookies, and uh, and then you end up eating them all. So how do you get out of this bad habit, I would say spend more time cooking rather than baking. If you enjoy the process, and I get that, by the way, I get the process of baking. I enjoy doing it sometimes with my kids. Mm -hmm. It's fun. 
rather than baking, uh, try cooking or try choosing to bake things that are a little bit better for that. You. Or I would even look at I, I would because this is going to be so individual, right? Like, um, what's a lot of baking to you? Maybe you're somebody who. Um, you know, never used to bake and now all of a sudden you're baking every single week or maybe you're somebody who used to bake every single week and now you're doing it four times a week. So I would reverse you out like I would with a client with almost anything else. I would assess how often am I doing it and then I would start to spread that out longer. So I would say, okay, you know, in the past, you know, it'd be once or twice a month, maybe I bake some sort of goods or whatever that were now uh, since COVID, I'm doing it every single week. Yeah. So instead of just going cold turkey and saying you can't ever bake any foods, just say, hey, well, maybe limit that to a celebration or a specific time versus saying I can't ever bake again or going from somebody who might be baking multiple times in the week going down to zero. Right. I think I would slowly reverse you out depending on how right. often And if you it. like the process of baking, if you like doing it with your kids <laughs> and it's a fun thing, um, there's a lot of paleo baking uh, sites where it, no, it's not 100%, but usually... You're going to make things that are lower calorie and that are a little better for you. So, you know, that's one thing you could do as well. I like the process. I like doing it with my kids. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing that we just started doing. Fine. Try to bake things that are not going to be as damaging. Because in the Paleolithic era, we had ovens. Right? <laughs> yes, they, they baked a lot. But anyways. Yeah, here's one that happened to me, um, which uh, I never ate out as much as I did during the period of COVID. Now, oh, yeah. uh, when I say eat out, I don't mean I went somewhere to eat out. I did that very little because everything was closed. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I door dashed way more than I ever did uh, before. And again, I think this is connected to the stress eating, yeah. but also connected to the, I can't go to the restaurant, so I'll just order the food. And then, well, oh, this is so easy. I'll just keep doing it. There was periods though where uh, some restaurants were open and I just found, <laughs> we found every excuse to go because it, it almost felt like it was an exclusive thing that wasn't going to last long. And it was true. Like it was, we would go just to, to try and support like our favorite restaurant, but it became like almost like a two, three, sometimes, you know, like four on a crazy week where we'd go to like this one restaurant yeah, well. just to try and support them. But yeah, we, I mean, it, it sneaks up on you. Uh, and, and the thing now, everything's so easily accessible with DoorDash and Uber Eats and all these things too. You can kind of bring all that home with you. Well, this is something I already kind of do, right? So I, we eat out quite a bit and we use DoorDash, um, probably at least once a day every day pretty and before even before covid now since then that's that's ramped up quite a bit now there's i think there's a couple ways that you look at this where it becomes an issue is and i and i have this like katrina and i because we're ordering out so often uh it's tempting to order the five guys it's tempting to order the chinese food because anything that you feel like that you're craving is right there is right there and delivered to your house mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think there's something totally wrong with eating out if you make the right choices and you take into account that you're eating out and that eh, the calories may be a little bit different than what they estimate on their website. So for us, you know, I we we've always eaten out quite a bit and we just make healthy choices. There's nowadays it's so different. I was just talking again, sharing this because a lot of diet talk with my aunt this last weekend. Um, I was just sharing too. They live out in Las Vegas how cool it is that just 15, 20 years ago, uh, if you ate out like pretty much fast food or like fine dining was like your, your yeah. only option. But we, yeah. in the last decade, I'd say it's getting competitive with how many healthy choices there are. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of options now that you can go out to eat and, and get 
really good meals. And so I think it's more about checking in with yourself on the choices that you're making if you're doing this, because no doubt everybody ramped this up, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to go to a grocery store right now. Nobody is going out. Yeah, there's definitely a factor. There. Yeah, for sure. And so that's completely understandable. And it doesn't mean, oh, you got you to gotta eliminate using DoorDash. I don't, I don't agree with that. What I do think, though, is because of the convenience and how easy it is, it's very easy to allow the cravings to drive the decision. And that's where you have to keep yourself in check. Yeah, and then you... you you know, you kind of said this too, is just consider that for the most part, when you eat out, it's going to be higher calorie. It's not going to be lower calorie than when you make it at home. Even if you eat something healthy, they tend to use more oils and more right. things to increase the, to, the, to improve the flavor. Right. And so the calories will be higher. So, so I would say definitely uh, take that into consideration. Um, now the next one, this one became a big thing. In fact, there, there's been lots of articles on this and yeah. that is that alcohol consumption has skyrocketed, and it oh. makes sense, right? When stress is high, alcohol. Yeah, they saw sales go through the roof. Yes, and you know, alcohol. Look, like any substance, um, you know, it, there's you can have a good or a bad relationship with it. Mm -hmm. If you start to develop a relationship with alcohol, where that is your method of de-stressing, you are heading down a mm -hmm. road that uh, it's not good. You start to develop a really bad relationship with exercise. Uh, excuse me, with with alcohol, where that becomes your de facto way of feeling better. Yeah. And, and it's not hard to imagine where that'll go. This was one of those that was a little bit more closer for me than, uh, you know, the snacky, uh, you know, processed food and, and comfort food. It was more de-stressing with, with a glass of whiskey. That was something like I... I, I found myself in conversations like Adam was talking about with my own family that's divided about stupid stuff and just taking in a lot of what the world is, uh, you, you know, bringing uh, was just hard. It was it was just too much that, um, you know, I was trying I was internalizing, wasn't realizing it. And then I find myself with a cup in my hand, just trying outside, just trying to kind of decompress. Uh, but that was something I had to I had to really, you know, check myself and realize that uh, this is happening a little more often than I would like. Now, how do you guys handle clients that just, that are like, uh, you know, big wine drink? They love to drink their wine. And of course, and now I think it was inevitable at this time, if you were already somebody who enjoyed a glass of wine. Yeah, it turned or, into two. Right. So it's it's ramped up for probably everybody and even people. I mean, I, I drank more alcohol this last year than I probably have uh, ever, mm -hmm. you know, maybe aside from my when I was 20 to 22 range, right? Yeah. So what do you guys say to the client who already kind of enjoys the glass of wine here and there and they've now ramped up to it's kind of every night like what's the process to get them to become aware of that or reduce that what's that look like so okay so a couple things one a little bit of alcohol is, is okay I, I don't know i'm not one that subscribes to the whole like health benefits of alcohol i think that's largely overstated yeah but i also don't think there's a ton of damage in a single drink uh you know especially if it's not a mixed drink with lots of sugar and stuff like that that you have during the day so like a normal you know eight ounce pour of wine or whatever in the evening uh, you know that's that's fine the problem becomes with and just like food or just like anything else why you're having it if you need it to decompress, right. that's when it becomes a problem. If you enjoy it and you're just enjoying your glass of wine, just like with food, you know, if you need to eat the food to yeah. decompress, you're going to start to go down. The, it's the intent behind it. Absolutely. So what I would say to people like this is if you're finding that alcohol is your preferred method of de-stressing, every other time you feel stressed, try to use something that's healthy. So try to do something like going on a walk. Mm -hmm. By the way, going on a walk, a lot, a lot of people think, oh, that's stupid. It's actually 
uh, in my experience, one of the more successful ways I've gotten clients to try something else is I'll say, try doing a 15-minute walk outside. And I always get great results with that. For the people who actually do it, they come back and say, that was a great suggestion. Or meditation or stretching or an audio book. That's another. So something that's healthy every other time, try to incorporate something aside from the alcohol to kind of change that relationship. I try and limit it to just the social experiences, right? So I don't want to take somebody who... You know, they they have a couple glasses of wine with their spouse on Friday nights because that's their, their they have someone to watch the kids and they do this nice dinner and they have a couple glasses of wine with it and it's a very special time for them and they enjoy that. A client that really likes to drink or likes uh, likes wine like that on a regular basis, I allow that and then I say let's eliminate the the by yourself drinking. You know, like it, you're not being social. It's not really this great. You're using it because it de-stresses you mm-hmm. or where. And then I encourage like what you just said, walking or some mobility or, you know, gratitude practices or a lot of almost anything else uh, to de-stress than going to a substance like food or alcohol. And so I don't want to tell that client that, no, you can never have wine or no, you can't do that. But let's limit it to these social experiences when that you feel like it's enhancing your life versus this is something I just do every mm-hmm. single night to de-stress. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the next one, um, you know, I did see this a lot. At least I got DMs from people that this happened to, which is kind of losing sight of their fitness goals or in general, just losing sight of their fitness. And a lot of the, the reasons I got for this was uh, gyms are closed. Oh, mm-hmm. well, the gym's closed. So now I'm not going to work out. Or people say, I just, I just don't feel like it. Uh, so their fitness, uh, you know, habits and behaviors took a big uh, dive. Now, one of the ways that I like to fix this is, is talking to people about how to use fitness like a tool. It's not always going to be about working out and having a crazy hard workout and getting stronger and performance and all these wonderful improvements. Sometimes workouts are a way to de-stress. Sometimes workouts are a way to break up the day. If you develop this relationship with exercise where you can use it regardless of the context to make to improve your quality of life, then what you'll find is you're going to be consistent no matter what. Whether you feel your best or you don't feel your best, the workout itself is something that you do because it makes you feel better. I also think that part of why people lost ground is because I think they kind of treated it. You know how like you guys had clients that like the holidays they just check out and they're like, "I'll be back in January." Yeah. You know, like it's just, I give up. Yeah, you know, it's just like I'm I'll just, wait for everything to open up again. Right. Yeah. So that's I really yeah. think that's where this what happened here. I don't think we all anticipated this to go as long as we did. Yeah. I think when we got locked down and everybody would their gym shut down, it was really easy to go like, "Oh shit, gyms are shut down. I can't go get my." Yeah, work. They'll be open in a month. Yeah. Right. I'm just gonna ah uh, whatever. I'm just gonna just not worry about it right now and just forget about my goals that I set maybe the month before or whatever. Stay home, stay safe. Yeah, and then I'll get back and resume when everything else is back to normal. And what we're realizing is that we don't know how long this is going to carry on. Mm-hmm. And boy, are the are is the, are the pounds starting to pile up when you just keep procrastinating on, on your goals that you set earlier for you? Yeah. Now, the next one, um, you know, I've read articles that have talked about how people have become more sedentary. Mm -hmm. They've become essentially couch potatoes during the lockdown. And I get why. Uh, You might have at least gone to the office before and walked around there for a little bit and walked to your friend's Mm -hmm. cubicle or to the bathroom or whatever. Now you're at home. So, And and it's funny. I I have family members like this where we had this conversation where they had to pull themselves out of it because they're literally saying to me things like, 
oh, my, my at 9 a.m. I have my first Zoom meeting. I literally wake up at 8.45, yeah. wash my face, and I'm on the thing. Yeah, and I put pants on. And I'm, no, and I'm, on, I'm, I'm in bed. <laughs> and I'm in bed all day long, and this is what I'm doing. And I, so here's the thing you have to do. You have to organize your day to increase activity because – our days are already organized to be sedentary. It's it's natural to not move when you're on Zoom all day long. I mean, of course, you have to make it so that you move. Right. So what do I do? What, what would you do? You have a stand-up desk or set a timer for breaks in between for when you can stretch or do some light squats or a walk. I love telling people to do a 15-minute walk after breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So there you go, 45 minutes of activity right there naturally after you know breakfast lunch, yeah you dinner. gotta take control of your schedule it looks totally different now and i know that's been a really tough transition for a lot of people to have that work and home sort of uh merger together and to be able to separate the two so uh you know really just kind of looking at areas where you can even go intentionally on a walk and, and go to a distance and come back and break up your day. And so that way uh, you can you can regain a lot of some of those opportunities for activity, uh, but you really have to be intentional about that and not just reactionary in terms of this is my new place and I'm just going to plop down and get my work done and then veg out and watch TV when I'm done. The irony of this is that I actually, at least in my experience or my family and my circle of people that I know, um, they have more flexibility than they ever have as mm. far as to it's, it's not that so every every family member that I know that is working from home now they have a pretty flexible schedule like whether you work for Facebook or they have like a check-in time where everybody checks in and they do like their little meeting and then you just you're supposed to do your work all day mm -hmm. and there's nobody that's standing over them and watching like were you sitting down at the couch yeah. all day long doing and in front of the computer so there's nothing that stops them from at the at every hour going and doing one set of 10 squats mm -hmm. they could totally do that if they want to do it. they're just not doing it they've just chose to like you said earlier Sal, roll out of bed in their pajamas still not even get around really and just get right on the computer but this is not a, a the uh because of a lack of freedom to be able to build a routine or a movement in the day it's just purely uh, it's easier to do and i'm just yeah. not going to do it it actually means being disciplined it, yeah it takes a little bit of work to make your day uh you know be conducive to movement i will say this though this is an easy one to actually remedy Try it out, add a little bit of movement, and you'll feel so much better, and you'll actually be more productive. Yeah, watch how much better work is if you just get up at every hour and you walk, take 10-minute walk. I've actually, the yeah. family members have gotten to do this. They've all come back and been like, oh, I love doing this now. I feel so much better. I was feeling, I didn't realize how crappy I was feeling by not moving. Oh, I would love, okay. if, if this is an issue for a client of mine, I would love to see work hard for 50 minutes. Walk for 10 at every hour. Yeah. Work hard, like buckle down, be on the computer and go hard. For, and if you have to go hard for two hours straight, then go for a walk for 20 minutes afterwards. So yeah. every hour, for every 50 minutes, do like a 10 minute yes. bout of activity. Yeah. And that could be walking. It could be some body weight squats. It could, it could be if you have an yeah, It could be a lot of stuff and pay attention to how much more productivity you get out of your workday. Yeah. Now the next one, this one's where you see a lot of fitness people uh, or people who are into fitness kind of fell into this trap, which is not following a workout plan. So they may be active and they may be doing stuff, but they're not following a, a plan. Now, here's mm. here's the thing about working out. Uh, there is a point at which once you become very advanced and you've been working out for, in my experience, this is someone who's been working out consistently for five years or more, you can train a little bit more intuitively. Mm -hmm. But even then, following an actual plan 
makes a big difference. And what they find in studies is that when people follow a plan, they're less likely to avoid movements that they don't like, that they need to do. So you're less likely, for example, to skip leg day if you follow a plan. You're more likely to be consistent because the plan tells you these are the days that you're working out. Um, and you tend to get better results. So get a plan, something that tells you you're working out on these days and you're doing these exercises for this many reps or whatever, and follow it. You're far more likely to be successful if you follow a plan. I mean, this hits home for me because we've been training for so long that it's it's always been tough for me uh, as a trainer to follow like a structured plan because I know how to build plans. Mm -hmm. And so I always give myself this, you know, flexibility and freedom to do what I want. And I, and, and I like that. And I prefer that most of the time, but I have to say that, you know, recently we have structured a split routine plan that we're all kind of following and meeting each other as a routine in the morning. And I haven't been this good and this consistent on both training and diet in a very long time. So even somebody who knows their body, is very familiar with their way around the weight room and can build programs and train themselves, still benefit from this structure. And maybe more so now than ever with the way things are currently. Yeah, and a plan can be anything. It's just, it, it really, of course, if it's well-written, it makes a big difference. But the biggest difference is the fact that you tend to be more consistent. Cool. So you can literally just write out these are the days I'm going to work out and these are the things I'm going to do. I think it's even more important now because, uh, you know, in the gym, you kind of could see the environment, you could see the machines, you could see, you know, squat racks, everything kind of like what you're going to do as you walk in versus at home. A lot of times, you know, people are pretty limited with equipment. They, they, they don't really know what to do besides like push-ups and squats maybe or something and, and how to structure that and organize that. And so, you know, to, to, to make your time effective and efficient, uh, requires requires you to, to have this all dialed in and figured out and have a plan for action. Now, I feel like the next one um, I chose just for Sal. Yeah. I feel like yeah, you did. <laughs> the next one is becoming a, yeah. a, a Google doctor right now. And because uh, I've even caught myself, which I'm yeah. so not this guy. Dear WebMD. Yes. Yeah. But with uh, the stress of, of COVID, I can't help but think uh, this has to be super common right now that everybody is so paranoid that they they might have it or someone they know might have it that they are. I, I would love to see the stats on this, Doug, if you could look this up. So look at the traffic on WebMD right. and see if it's like exploded in the last. If like my face year. itches. Do I have COVID? I think just in general, just, uh, you know, Internet usage has probably gone through the roof. But yeah, this is you have to be aware of yourself because research is great. It's great to go online and learn things. You can become more more aware of, uh, you know, health issues and, you know, ways to make yourself healthier and that kind of stuff. So that's great. But you have to also be aware enough to know that you may be somebody that uh, handles stress this way. I'm one of these people. If I'm in a situation that's stressful, I, my go-to is to research and read and read and read. And when it comes to health, uh, boy, you know, there's so many symptoms that, uh, they overlap. Can, oh, yeah. And yeah. they can be terrible things. <laughs> yeah. And of course, what's going to happen? You have swelling in your lymph node, right? So you're going to look it up and it could be either a viral infection or it could be lymphoma, right? What's the thing that's going to worry you the most? Oh my God, do I have lymphoma? Let me look that up. Let yeah. me look up the other right. symptoms. The, the worst case scenario. Yeah, fatigue. Oh, I have been kind of tired lately, you know, yeah. and you go on a list. So you got to be careful uh, and, and be self-aware. Am I this kind of person? And um, you know what's this? What's that saying? If you see hoof, if you see hoof prints in the sand, think horse, not zebra, right? So that's like 
be the more yeah. obvious thing. So yeah, the yeah. Occam's razor approach. Right? Yeah. So it's like I've okay, never heard that. Before. I probably I Jessica tells me that all the time. Yeah. Oh so, really? Yeah, uh, so I may I, you know I may have lymphoma, but I probably just have a viral infection. So let me just think of that and yeah. not be so. It's usually the the most simple answer it wins. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now the next one's kind of connected to this, which is the all day scrolling. This uh, is the one I'm guilty of really? right now. Yeah. This has been really tough for me, especially being that uh, I've talked about this so much on the show. Um, but I've caught myself sitting there and just, and you know what, here's, here's one too, and I'm guilty of this because of all the political bullshit and the debating and the arguing and all that, that some of that, it feeds into this too, because then you start researching your bias or the mm. opposite side. So I find myself just on, oh, it just keeps showing up in your feed. So yes. it just sucks you in. So I find myself just doing this uh, and going down the rabbit. And then before you know it, I've like lost 45 minutes to an hour of my day on bullshit, on shit that does not matter right now in my life, but I got sucked into. I got to imagine that this is a, a big one for a lot of people. It, this is a hard one to break, too. Uh, here's a good strategy. Um, give yourself a set time that you're going to go on social media. So at noon, for an hour, that's yeah. the time I'm going to be on, and then I'm not going to be on at any other time. Don't do the whole, like, I'm not going on at all thing because you're going to fail. Oh, yeah. But if you set yourself a time, you're you're less likely to do the all-day scrolling. And, thing. you know, like, if you if, if you can do this and if you're uh, setting, like, boundaries for me, I'd, I'll put my phone uh, right away when I get home. I'll put it on uh, the plug in a different room, and I have to actively go into another room That's to go get it. Yeah. yeah, so same thing with, like, going to sleep. It just can't be anywhere near me if I'm, you know, getting ready for bed. Yeah, now the next one is very closely related. Related, which in this a lot of people were doing this, which was refreshing the news every five minutes. Oh, now this is crazy because I, I, I'm old enough to remember when the time that you got the news was uh, you know 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. or the newspaper. Other than that, if you wanted like hour by hour news, it, there was nothing. I mean, you know, CNN didn't was one of the first news networks to do that. And I remember when they first came out, people thought. You know, what are you going to cover every single hour? You know, yeah. and if they found ways to do that, right? Sure. And what it is is it's something happens, and every five minutes it's a different opinion about that thing. This has been connected to stress and a reduced quality of life. In fact, I've read articles where people are told to not watch the news anymore, and they find a tremendous improvement in their quality of life. Isn't so, that interesting that they used to just report what actually happened instead of like, now all we get is opinions of what happened? Because they have to, because people are checking every five minutes. Like, I don't want to know your opinion. I just want to see what actually happened. Yeah, so again, <laughs> similar to the all-day scrolling, give yourself a time. So I'm going to check the news at 7 a.m. every day for 30 minutes, and then that's it. I'm not going to go on anymore until the next day. You'll be fine. If something crazy happens, I guarantee someone will tell you. Or as I say, or never check. Yeah. Or, 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 or <laughs> yeah, I don't it's, think it's that necessary. Oh, well, so it's I, done nothing for anybody. Oh, so Jessica's good at this. She's made herself willfully ignorant on world affairs, and mm -hmm. her stress level has dropped considerably as a result. And again, psychologists will recommend this. They'll literally tell you, turn off the news, and see what happens, and it makes a tremendous impact. Yeah. So give that give that one a shot. Right. Uh, here's the next one. Um, this one I did a little bit too, which is shopping a lot uh, online. Mm. Amazon has made it real easy mm. for me to go on and buy shit. Like I'll think of something, I'll be like, I want that. Buy, you know. And, oh, hey, honey, what about that's that why thing? The stock market doesn't make sense. Oh, this yeah. is this is one is crazy to me because I wouldn't have thought that this would have been one, except for I too have felt this myself. 
because you would think in this time where unemployment is jumping up like crazy yeah, and uncertainty. we're all, yeah, this time of uncertainty with jobs and stuff like that, you would think that we would see people stop spending, but the opposite is what's happened. Yeah. We've seen more online spending this year than I think we ever have yeah. before. So uh, again, I think this is another comfort thing. Yeah. It's just something that makes people happy. You know, they receive a package, they look forward to it. It just brings a little bit of light, you know, if, if you're so focused on like all the crazy and, and things that you can't be doing right now and, and you know, the impending doom, this sounds like a good right. idea. And what happened is, you know, we've, you've heard me mention a couple times about creating a barrier between you and the action, right, to bring awareness. The reason why this has become a thing is because the barrier used to be going to the store. It used to be, do I want that thing? Yeah, uh, I got to drive over there and buy it. I'm right. not going to get it. And then you end up not getting it. Well, now I can go on my phone and find, you know, 10 different varieties of whatever I want. And then mm -hmm. I can, and it's literally, Amazon makes it so easy. You just click a button and then it's here within a few days with, you know, Amazon Prime. So here's a rule you can make for yourself. If you want to buy something, write it down in your notes and tell your, and give yourself two days. That's all. So say, okay, I want to buy this thing. Today's Monday. Mm -hmm. Okay, Wednesday. I'll visit this and see if I still want that it. works so good. I, maybe it was you who said that a long time ago. And I started to do that where all, and I did this a lot this last year where I, I just start going, put all this crazy stuff in my, Oh, I want this. Bro, oh, I, I got Amazon that. boxes in my house yeah. almost every day for this yeah. past year. Yeah. You're not allowed to Amazon intoxicated. I'll well, right <laughs> well what, I, what I started doing is I, I start adding all this stuff in my cart and then I intentionally abandon. I say, okay, if I still really want this on Friday. So I would do it at the end of the week. So that was mm -hmm. my thing. Like, okay, if I found my, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like going through shopping for something, I would uh, tell myself, okay, at the end of the week, if I still want this, I can get it. And nine times out of 10, I don't get it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know. And it, literally the last year, if you drove up to my house, there was Amazon box at my door because yeah. this was me because I get this idea for a supplement or a thing for the baby or a thing for the house. And it's like, click, click. So easy. But if you put that barrier of time, you'll find that you'll end up abandoning yeah. it yeah, yeah, more often than not, which is uh, kind of interesting. Here's another one. And this one, this, is a, this one doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but it makes a big deal. Uh, it, it actually makes a huge deal with our psychology, which is throwing your schedule out the window. Having no structure to your day where the days start to bleed into each other can start to make things feel uh, meaningless and drab and yeah. sad. You're just sort of drifting around. You are. And so one way that, you know, because especially if you're working from home, when you're working from home, it's really easy to just, you know, it, everything kind of just turns into each day. It's not a big deal. So what I tell people to do um, is to inject uh, things in their schedules that breaks up the day. So at noon, every day I do this. And at, you know, 6 p.m. after dinner, I do this every single day. Put those things in your schedule. What it does is it adds structure to your day, and it gives you a bit of a schedule. Also, wake up at a particular time. Go to bed at a particular – this is a big one. Set your bedtime and set your wake-up time and keep them consistent. That single act right there will give your whole day more structure than just going to bed whenever and then waking up you know, five minutes before your first Zoom meeting. No, I agree. This is definitely one that um, I had to kind of – rain in a little bit and it since and it all goes back to the workout thing we talked about once i started to dial that in it just it I was more consistent with my eating more mm -hmm. consistent with my steps more productive with work workouts dialed in so this is as simple as just starting this process of organizing your day yeah another the the, the last one is a big problem uh, a lot of people are now encountering because so many more people are working from home which is the blurring of the lines between work and home or life 
This is why I don't think it's going to be possible that we we remain this way. People aren't going to like. There it. was a lot of there was a lot of theories that when we first switched over to everybody working from home, people going, "Oh, I love this. This is so, so great. Convenient. Yeah. All I think the flexibility and then being able to show up to work in your pajamas was amazing for everybody at first. But this is the reason why I don't think it, it's going to last very long because there is something about the the culture that's built and the community that's built when you show up to work and the accountability piece that comes with that, that we're lacking that now. So even if you're a self-motivated person, maybe it lasted for a few months when we first went into shelter in place. Mm-hmm. But I think what people are starting to realize is how nice it is to have community to do, to have. Yeah, to I think too, people, I mean, I wish I had a better term for this, but cabin fever is like a real thing like it's just you are just you're seeing the same thing every day like you're waking up you're groundhog day it's just groundhog day you're not really getting out like you have to find ways to get out of the house uh versus like having uh, a place to go and and a purpose to get you up and, and to drive somewhere and to kind of spend your day and break it up i think I don't know, it's just better psychologically for people to handle, I think, than to just have it all in one place. Well, I think because of the flexibility, what's happened is you have people, I was just talking, my brother-in-law said this is his issue, right? Is because they have like, you know, they have certain amount of work that they they have to get done for the day or whatever, or projects they have to work on, but there's nobody that's holding them accountable. That, yeah, just the day, get it done yeah, for the day. Yeah, exactly, get it done for the day. So what ends up happening is he says, he you know, he logs in his computer and gets started and he opens up his social media stuff first. And that can turn into 30 minutes of checking on things distracted. or a two hour rabbit hole where all of a sudden they've spent the first two hours of their day like on social media crap or politics or whatever they're into before they even get into like real work. And so setting yourself with a, a strict schedule of this is my time for work. If I'm going to spend time on social platforms or this is the time I do it and sticking to that, I think is necessary with where we're at. You have right to now. set boundaries yeah. and, and you set them with yourself, but you also train the people you work with, uh, with your own boundaries. So if they send you emails or whatever after work hours and you respond every single time, um, you're going to train them that they can do that. Or you can say, I'm done at six and everything I get after that, I answer the next day. What you'll find is actually start to train the people you work with to respect those boundaries. And boundaries between work and life are definitely very, very important uh, for your overall health. Look, Mind Pump is recorded on video as well as audio, so you can come watch us on YouTube, Mind Pump Podcast. You can also find all of us on social media. You can find us on Instagram. Justin can be found at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.